I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew Matthew chapter 5. I'll be reading again verses 1 to 12. And this morning we look at the fourth beatitude found in verse 6. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 962. Let us now hear God's word. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thus far, the reading of God's word made his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote an excellent book on the Sermon on the Mount, and on the fourth beatitude, he says that the fourth beatitude on its own sums up the previous three Beatitudes, and brings great encouragement to the Christians. And he said this, and I quote, I do not know of a better test that anyone can apply to himself or herself in this whole matter of the Christian profession than a verse like this. If this verse is to you one of the most blessed statements of the whole of Scripture, you can be quite certain you are a Christian. If it is not, then you had better examine the foundations again. We're going to unpack this morning the fourth beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This morning's sermon actually will be very closely related to this evening's sermon. They will build upon one another. In both sermons, we seriously ask the questions. We seriously ask these questions. What's most important to us? What's most important to you? What do you value most? What do you crave? What do you crave? The White Castle bundle? That's their motto. Get your crave fixed on White Castles. What do you crave? What do you value? For what we value most, that's what we seek with all of our hearts. 
That's why Jones says what he said. If we don't get this beatitude, then we've missed it. We've missed it. And so now we turn our attention, we turn our hearts towards the teaching of our Lord when he said, Blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for he shall be satisfied. Let's look first at the condition of the blessed. Or we can say the description of the blessed. The blessed man is the one who hungers and thirsts. He is hungry and thirsty. For obvious reasons, he's not talking about physical hunger and thirst. I don't think I need to defend that. I think it's quite clear. He's referring to a spiritual hunger, a spiritual thirst. He's using figurative language here. Those who hunger are those who crave. Those who earnestly crave spiritual food to satisfy spiritual longing. That's our, those are the ones who hunger. They crave a spiritual longing to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. Just as the body needs bread to sustain the body, the soul needs spiritual food to satisfy the soul. You remember when our Lord Jesus Christ miraculously fed the multitudes with bread? They were all following him. They were listening to him carefully. They thought, wow, he's preaching with great authority. He speaks with better, more authority than the scribes preach and teach. And so they followed him. They were hungry. Jesus wouldn't let them go away on their own. Hungry. And so he feeds them physically. But he's making a spiritual point regarding their soul, their soul's hunger. They came to him to get their fill, their bellies filled, to see the kingdom of God come through the Messiah and the Romans be overthrown and the Davidic kingdom established. They were looking for prosperity, physical, earthly prosperity that Israel once knew in the time of King David. Jesus, however, makes it an important spiritual point in that passage of the feeding of the multitudes. And that point is, their souls were hungry. Where are you going to find food? Where are you going to find food for your craving? Those who hunger, those who thirst. The thirsty are those who long for spiritual refreshment or replenishment. Just as water replenishes the deficiency in the body and refreshes the body, so too the weary soul thirsts and longs to be refreshed. Notice hunger and thirst, food and drink, both essential for the human body. 
And Jesus makes a very strong point, a very illustrative point. The soul thirsts and hungers. It not only needs food, it needs drink. The condition of the blessed, of one being hungry and thirsty, is a clear illustration of one's deepest longings in the human heart. Each and every one of us has this spiritual craving. Everyone. 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 Everyone hungers and thirsts. There are two kinds of people, maybe three. Those who think that they are satisfied, that their hunger and thirst is satisfied and quenched, and those who hunger and thirst and can't find anything. Maybe third. In fact, there is a third. Those who hunger and thirst and have found it in a person. And we're going to get to that. Those who hunger and thirst and find it in a person. A person can possess every material blessing and be and feel empty. I remember many years ago, one of the funnest Football players to watch was Deion Sanders. Neon Deion, they called him, because he was exciting on the field. He was a two-way athlete. He played professional baseball and football, winning many football championships, many Super Bowls. And he gives testimony of how he was in a hotel room after winning the Super Bowl, having everything in the world, and yet he was ready to kill himself because he felt so empty. And he had anything and everything he could possibly think of. He thought they satisfied him. But oh, did his spirit tell him otherwise. Everyone hungers and thirsts, even you. The question is, what do you hunger and thirst for? What have you filled the emptiness in your heart with to quench your thirst and satisfy your hunger? Do you hunger and thirst for happiness? Again, everyone hungers and thirsts because everybody wants to be happy. Blaise Pascal, the great Catholic philosopher, once said, everyone wants to be happy, even those who hang themselves. Everyone wants to be happy. But if happiness is your goal, if, he, if happiness is the object of your hunger and thirst, you'll fall short. Only those, those blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It is those who hunger and thirst who are the ones that are happy and blessed. Because they thirst and hunger for not happiness, but for righteousness. It's only when you hunger and thirst for a person, 
and hunger and thirst for a person, a living and true God who gives righteousness, can you then find happiness? Everybody hungers and thirsts. That is the condition of every man. But the condition of the blessed is one who hungers and thirsts for someone and something outside of themselves, greater than themselves. Young people, hear me well. Because just like people look for love in all the wrong places, people look for happiness in all the wrong places, look for blessedness in all the wrong places. And that's why this evening we look at keep yourselves from idols which providentially falls in the next Lord's Day that we're going through in the evening. God has placed eternity in our hearts. Are you hungering and thirsting for Him who gives eternal life? The condition of the blessed, they hunger and thirst. They thirst for righteousness. Secondly, the righteousness of God. Jesus declares that the blessed ones are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What does righteousness mean in this context? Because the word righteousness, if you looked in a concordance, will be all over the scriptures. And depending on the context, it has a specific meaning. And most often as Reformed folks, as Protestants, we automatically go to Paul and think of righteousness. Justification by faith alone in Christ alone, by God's grace alone. We automatically think that we are justified. We think of justification. That God justifies or declares right or innocent by His grace through faith in Christ, His people. A legal declaration by the judge, the Lord God. And that the grounds of our justification or right standing before a holy God is the obedience of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. Is that what, what Jesus is speaking of here? It is true that Jesus is our righteousness. It is true that by his, what's called active, his active obedience, his perfect righteous life, and by his passive obedience, his paying the penalty for our sin, that we are made righteous before God. It is solely through the righteous work of Jesus Christ that we are saved. But is that what is being talked about here? Is that the righteousness that is being talked about? Righteousness has a wide range of meanings. It can also mean justice, God's justice. Righteousness can mean uprightness. Righteousness can mean living a godly life. Doing God's will. Following Jesus, that is living a righteous life. And in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, in its context, it refers to an ethical righteousness. That is living a righteous life, but not separated from the righteousness of Christ. So the Christian who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, he craves or she craves to be free from sin. Hungers and thirsts to be free from sin and evil. He hungers and thirsts to be filled with Christ's love and grace. He hungers and thirsts 
for the will of God to be lived out in his or her life. In other words, righteousness, the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, seeks and desires nothing more than to follow Jesus. To be sanctified by the Spirit. To be renewed in the image of his or her Creator. Because the people of God have been made alive in Christ and have a new desire, a new hunger and thirst for a righteousness that is outside of themselves, that comes from God himself, and by the power of the Spirit, that righteousness is being worked out in one's life. I love the song that Fernando Ortega sings, Lord, I want to be like Jesus. Lord, I want to be like Jesus. Do you hunger and thirst to be like your Savior? That's what it means what it means to wake up in the morning lord i hunger and thirst for jesus today give me more more love to thee O christ more love to thee okay pastor well how do you support that in the sermon on the mount the beatitudes well look at me at verse 10 of chapter 5 blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, for righteousness, for, for following God's will and purposes in your life, for committing oneself to the gospel of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Chapter 5, verse 16, look at me. Here we have Jesus tells us his disciples to be salt and light in the kingdom to live as salt and light. And he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That is, see your good works done in righteousness and give glory to your Father in heaven. In chapter 5, verse 17 and following, Jesus says that he didn't come into the world to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. Not one iota or dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And then he says at verse 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That is, friends, the, the scribes and Pharisees practice a righteousness before the people. They practice a hypocrisy. Christians crave a righteousness that is practiced before God. Chapter 6, verse 33, you know this verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these physical things that you need will be added unto you. So those physical needs are a bonus to what is first and foremost the spiritual need. I can go on. Chapter 7. You will know a tree by its fruit. What is he saying? You will know a tree by the righteousness of that person. The scribes and Pharisees and religious leaders of that day practiced unrighteousness. The context of the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount teaches us that righteousness refers to an ethical righteousness, seeking to live out the commands of God and His will in faith, hope, and love. 
to live a holy, godly life. But that said, that said, now listen carefully. I want you to listen carefully. Because Jesus, in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, is talking about the Christian living in the kingdom, sanctification. There is no sanctification if there is no justification. In other words, if you are not justified by grace through faith, if you are not looking to the righteousness of Christ, then everything I just said about this righteousness that we, that we do with our lives, that come from our hearts, everything we do means nothing apart from the righteousness of Christ. So what's being presupposed here is a righteousness that comes from outside of ourselves. That citizens of God's kingdom have been made righteous before God, have been given the spirit of God, and by the spirit of God, we live out our faith in righteousness. Because we know by nature, friends, we know by nature that we are unrighteous. We are born unrighteous. Romans 3, for there is no one righteous, no, not one. Isaiah says, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And so it is the righteousness of Christ accredited to us by faith, by God's grace, that enables us to do, to hunger and thirst for a righteousness that satisfies. Here again, listen carefully. Citizens of God's kingdom have a deep and profound craving and longing to be filled with a righteousness from outside of him or herself. We hunger and thirst for Christ and we hunger and thirst because of our gratitude to God for Jesus Christ. We hunger and thirst to do his will. To live as citizens in his kingdom in this world. And God promises this to us. Look, Jesus says, blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. For he shall be satisfied or he shall be filled. This is a divine promise. Through Christ alone and faith in his name, God satisfies our greatest spiritual hunger and quenches our spiritual thirst. And congregation, it's only those who hunger and thirst for this righteousness that shall be filled. Only those who hunger and thirst for this righteousness that shall be filled. Only those who humbly cry out and seek His righteousness shall be filled. They are the blessed ones. They are the ones who look to God who graciously gave us His Son. And God doesn't give haphazardly. He gives abundantly and fully. And He fills the hungry and thirsty who diligently and earnestly pursue Him and His righteousness. And in Jesus Christ... And in him alone, we have been filled. We have been filled now. 
Remember, this is pre-crucifixion, pre-resurrection, pre-ascension, pre-the coming of the Spirit. Because when the Spirit was poured out, He filled us with His Spirit and satisfies our hunger and thirst. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We are filled with every spiritual blessing in Christ, the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, our souls longing being satisfied in a person. In a person. Not in playing religion. Not in checking off boxes. Not in knowing so much stuff. The hungry and thirsty are satisfied in a person. And Jesus satisfies. The, tr the promise has been fulfilled now. The Spirit applies the work of the crucified and risen Christ in our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit is active in the lives of His people. One of the most well-known stories in the Gospels is a story of the woman at the well. The woman who had many husbands and was living with someone. The one who was broken and hurting. The one who was thirsty and hungry, but couldn't find satisfaction. Jesus, weary from his journey, they go into Samaria and he meets the woman at the well. And Jesus asks for water from the well from the Samaritan woman. And the woman is perplexed. Why should a Jew ask me, a Samaritan, for water? Because Jews don't have any affiliation with the Samaritans. Jesus says, <laughs> tells the woman that if she asked him for a drink, he would give her living water and she will never thirst again. The kingdom has come because King Jesus has come. Here's a broken woman. A sinful woman. Who's being offered drink. A promise. She was confused and didn't understand the meaning at first. But eventually the Samaritan woman tells her people that Jesus told her everything that she ever did. Is he the Christ? Many believed that her testimony went out to Jesus. And they consequently believed in him that he is the Christ. At chapter 7 of John, Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Come to a person. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Righteousness. You see that? In that one verse. Whoever believes in me will have eternal life, and out of Him will flow rivers of living water. Righteousness. I've said this before, and it's worth saying again. Have you come to a person? When you come to worship, do you come to worship the true God? Do you come to worship 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one true God? Do you come to sit at the feet of a person, Jesus? Or do you come to check off boxes? Or do you come to play religion? Or do you come to say, um, as long as I get this liturgy right, I'm good to go? Do you come to a person? Do I come to a person and know that through a person and faith in his name, my thirst is quenched and my hunger is filled and satisfied. And that I could, through him I could be content in any and all circumstances. And I'll just be autobiographical at this point. I struggle with contentment. I struggle with contentment. And so when I study a passage like this and I preach on it, I'm preaching to myself because I struggle with contentment. I hunger and thirst, but I'm hungry and thirsting for a person and not the circumstances to change. I'm not hungry and thirsting. Am I hungry and thirsting for happiness? Is my contentment contingent upon my happiness? Or is it dependent upon a person? Christ promised that the hungry and thirsty will be satisfied. And he satisfies now. Is your soul hungry and thirsty? Is it wandering? You feel empty inside? Is your heart hurting? Come to a person, Jesus, who fills and satisfies and forgives. Because the hungry and thirsty person ultimately struggles with sin. And that sin separates from God. And it's not until one is reconciled to God the Father through Christ the Son that that hunger and thirst is quenched and filled. And yet, Christ's promise is still future. It's what's called eschatological. It is future. It looks to the end, at the consummation, when Christ comes and establishes the new heavens and new earth and judges the living and the dead. I want you to turn in your Bibles, before we close, to Revelation chapter 3. I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, beginning at verse 13. The Apostle John was exiled in the island of Patmos. He received great visions from heaven, visions of the throne of God and the Lamb who sits on the throne. He sees great multitudes in heaven worshiping the Lamb, clothed in white robes, carrying palm branches of victory in their hands, crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. At verse 13 of chapter 7, he says, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? 
I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his, with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor the scorching heat. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. They shall hunger and thirst no more. And now turn to Revelation 21. Beginning at verse 17. I'm sorry, I got that mixed up again. 22, verse 17. 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Let that person come and buy without price. Because Jesus paid it all. He laid down His life to feed the hungry and thirsty with His shed blood and His crucified body. Congregation in the Garden of Eden, God satisfied Adam and Eve spiritually and physically. After the fall, every human being craves spiritual food and drink, and they look to all the wrong places to find filling and satisfaction. Which well are you drawing water from? Where are you turning to find food? Even the Christian will struggle with this. You only need to live the Christian life for a week to realize that. That we still hunger and thirst for things outside of His righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And so come, come to the living waters. Come and be fed by Jesus Hunger and thirst to live out His will and purposes for your life. Have that desire, crave it, and you shall be satisfied. Because by His death and resurrection, we have everything we need for food and drink that wells up to eternal life with God. Where we will see God. And as the psalmist says, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. That day will come when we will need no more filling because we will be filled completely and entirely in the presence of our God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for the Spirit of God who works through the living Word of God and speaks to our hearts. Fills our deepest longing. 
meets our greatest need. And then when we come hungry and thirsty for your righteousness, when we hunger and thirst to do your will and word in our lives, you shall satisfy, you shall fill. And those who seek for righteousness shall be happy because we ultimately seek for you, seek and desire you more than anything. And so we pray, Lord, that we would continue to hunger and thirst, that we would continue to seek you and your face in your word. And we pray for those, Lord, who are hungry and thirsty and yet looking only for happiness, a happiness apart from you. And you bring about conviction and you set them apart, O oh Lord, that they may too know the happiness that belongs to those who hunger and thirst for your righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.